0: Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast. Today we're going to be talking about women and investing and in particular what can be done to empower more women to take control of their investments. We have with us today Jessica Robinson, the author of Financial Feminism, A Woman's Guide to Investing for a Sustainable Future and the founder of Moxie Future. Hi, Jessica. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks Thanks for the invitation. So you do a lot of work around closing this investment gap between the sexes and you run an education platform w- for women as well. So tell me, why do you think that there is still this gap in investment?
1: Yeah, so I, I think, you know, one of the things just, just to start out with, I think sometimes we find conversations on women and money can be somewhat difficult, somewhat awkward. Um, I think there are many reasons why. Um, and that's why discussions like these are so, so important. I mean, the challenge that we see, you know, women, and this is a, a global phenomenon, you know, women face many gaps when it comes to money and wealth. So obviously the gender pay gap we you know is a huge issue where women are paid on average only 80% of what men are paid. There's a gender funding gap in terms of female entrepreneurs accessing the capital and investment they need to grow their business there are things like even the gender pricing gap so you may have heard of the pink tax you know economic discrimination whereby women are paying more for some products but when we look at the gender investing gap it's a real concern because we are seeing that women simply are not investing as much as men and they're leaving a lot of their their wealth in cash which of course means missing out on that opportunity to actually um, you know to grow that wealth for more during later life um, so that investment gap is a real issue, and I think why we need to talk about it more is because it's also leading to a gender pension gap, which is in in, in essence a manifestation of all these other 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 gaps, whereby women are simply left worse off in retirement, uh, compounded by the fact that they generally live longer as well. So, I, in terms of actually why it exists, I think this is a very complex discussion, um, and I, I'm wary about generalising, uh, but I, but but I'm going to. Um, I think there's a lot of research around uh, confidence and actually that some, many women sort of lack of confidence when it comes to investing. And this tends to push them towards lower risk options. They may feel they don't understand financial products as well enough, um, but also the lack of time and limited investment knowledge. So it's effectively a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, I also think that the industry, so the investment industry is not doing a great job On engaging with women as investors you know we still see this sort of finance investment industry very male dominated and therefore the products and services that are coming out are quite often designed through a male default lens and I think you know This is something that we really need to talk about and actually think about what women want in
0: terms of their financial and investment needs. So why do you think that we have this lack of confidence? Is that how we're based, how things are structured within the investment community? What's causing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think I do think that it's partly to do with the way that we stereotypically describe gender roles when it comes to money and investing. And I think, you know, one of the fascinating things I talk about, there's been some great linguistic studies done in terms of how the industry uses advertising and marketing and the media messaging that goes to women and men on money and investing. And if you look at it, it's, it's fascinating. You know, we talk we talk to men about investing. It's like dare to invest, your financial strength. You know, it's very sort of emboldened. Yet the, for women, we talk about them as excessive spenders. We give them guidance to to save and restrict. And I think, you know, we have to look at what what goes through through the core of of the way we communicate with women. And and I think that's really important to address. The other one as well is many women feel quite patronized when they talk to their bank or their financial advisors about investing. And I think again, that really puts a lot of women off. To actually be, be active investors,
0: and nowadays there are lots of investment apps or even financial advice services that are being launched specifically targeting women. I mean, is this a good way to make it easier for women to want to invest or be able to invest?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, i'm very I'm very happy to see that these sustain, these investment apps are coming online because it makes it so much easier for women to actually sort of dial into the investment decisions, the investment education that needs to happen as well. So I think absolutely, these are great. Um, But again, we still need to consider how do women interact with money? What are they looking for in terms of their wealth and in terms of their investment? And that's really what drove me to to write the book Financial Feminism, to actually really try and shine a spotlight on what women are looking for. And we do know that women do think about impact uh, non-financial impact in terms of their investment decisions. So financial return isn't the sole driver. Women, many women, when they think about investments, they want to have that positive impact. And invariably that's on the environment, local communities or society, at large.
0: So, what kind of other resources do you think that women need um, to get them more confident about investing? Are there other books um, than yours, of course, and websites that you'd recommend?
1: What's been fascinating, and I'm, I obviously speak at various, various events and, and articles that I write in terms of engaging with women on financial and investment issues. And I think we're seeing a lot of investment clubs actually start to grow, which are women only focused. From a personal perspective, I am actually involved in a a female angel investor community. And I think that that sort of the the beginning of that really helps women come together. And I think, interestingly, women tend to have or enjoy peer-to-peer discussions when it comes to investing, which is probably slightly different from men who may see it more as an individual pursuit. But I think that a lot of women actually want to confer with their colleagues or their friends or their family. um, And those investment clubs really help. I think, as you mentioned, the apps, I think, really are great. There's a lot now webinars um, that are very focused on engaging with women on how to get started. Um, And as well, books, Um, you know, again, a lot of really good books out there. Um, One of the reasons I wrote it, mine specifically for women, was because there weren't that many that are actually targeted at women. And I do feel... I do feel there's a way to communicate better with women when it comes to investment and and to finances.
0: And there's also this thing about women actually um, performing better than men, right? When they do invest. So do we need to get the word out about that a bit more as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting
1: to see, uh, you know, whenever there's some research that comes out, you know, so many people send it to me and say, look, so women are actually doing, doing pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. The, the data is that women tend to to outperform men. I mean, it's hard, obviously, to sort of do straight comparisons. I think in part, that's an awareness of risk and therefore the sort of due diligence that many women tend to do around making the investment choice as opposed to sort of jumping straight in. Um, and I think it's very heartening when we see see these great results that come out of the research. And to your point, I really, we do need to sort of publicize that and say, look, This is part of building the confidence of women in terms of having an investment portfolio and actively managing it themselves.
0: And in addition to some of the kind of more psychological um, effects like confidence we talked about, obviously, there are structural issues you mentioned as well, like the gender pay gap and um, the way society perhaps is structured that keep women from investing as much. Can you tell me a little bit about those issues and how we can perhaps overcome them?
1: Yeah, and I think this is really important to have in terms of a discussion now, because we now know that women are controlling a significant chunk of the world's wealth. So it's I think the latest figures were around 32% of global private wealth is held by women. And obviously, that's expected to grow annually. Um, and increasingly, this is self-generated. So women are the economic powerhouses, creating, controlling and influencing an increasing amount of wealth. So I think it's incredibly important that, that, you know, the industry, the finance and investment industry sits up and recognises that and, and actually understands that women are a very important client component or client sector that actually needs some tailoring of products and services. I do think that we need more women working in the financial industry. I think that's incredibly important to change the landscape because actually when when there are more women in the industry itself, we will see the products and, and services that women are looking for uh, designed and much more tailored to their needs. Um, but then I also think in terms of the structural challenges, it's actually listening to what women need when it comes to investing. And as I mentioned before, you know, we we have increasing research and data that women genuinely care about the bigger picture you know we see this as consumers we see this as employees but also as investors and and i think in terms of how the industry really understands and interprets that you know they have to start developing products that are actually aligned with these these preferences
0: you're listening to the armchair trader podcast yeah you do see within the fund management industry as well when you have sustainable funds, there's a bigger presence of uh, women managers in those areas, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's funny. you know I've been in sustainable finance uh, and what we call ESG for many, many years, and so I've been in the finance and investment industry. and I always observe that I think on the sustainable finance ESG side, it is led by women. It's amazing when you when you look at the you know the phenomenal women that are in that component of the industry. Um, and really changing the investment landscape, and, I, and again, I think that sort of sits into the the, the 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 premise that my book is based about, which is women really do want to think about what are they achieving with different investment decisions and the longer term goals they may have, not just for their own personal portfolio, but for how that portfolio impacts on the world. Um, so, for example, obviously, there's a lot of gender gender ETFs coming up now, right? Because obviously gender diversity at the board level is very important. Uh, So again, it's becoming easier then for women to start investing in those types of products. Whereas before they may go to a financial advisor and essentially be told you need to invest in X, Y, Z, but not really have any oversight, whether it's in an industry they want to be in or not. Um, And I think when you look at the world today, particularly since the pandemic, you know, people are a lot more aware of the social and sustainability agenda, I think with climate change as well. And what's fascinating is, you know, we talked a little bit about these investment clubs and in some of the books that were are actually now talking about retail investors being able to do something quite proactive with their wealth to actually impact on things like, okay, how are we dealing with climate change? You know, gender diversity, as I mentioned, you know, all the different components that are beyond just the pure financial return piece.
0: And when you look at the products in this area, I mean with gender lens investing, for example, what do you think are they are they doing a good job or do they need to be better? I genuinely think those I mean I've been a
1: very active gender lens investor myself for a while, and so I'm a huge proponent. I, I write quite a lot about this in the book. I think we've done we've done a lot, but we need to do so much more. And I think the challenge is we just need to move capital at scale. So there are some really good funds that have been set up, but they need to, we need to be moving much more capital than we currently are. I also think that we need to be cleverer with the data that we have around gender and how it's impacting on, say, for example, business performance and so forth. And I think uh, the more sophisticated we can become, the easier it is to actually move the levels of investment we need into investing with a gender lens. Um, and I think it's a really exciting opportunity particularly when you then couple it with things like sustainability. So, uh, you know, looking at companies that have a strong diversity on their board and in senior management tend to be companies that are managing climate and sustainability risks better than those without, you know, and the more and more evidence that we have of that, the better it is, because it obviously it's proving our investment proposition.
0: And going back to the investment gap issue how has the pandemic affected that has it made it worse better
1: i mean we all know uh, i mean there aren't i haven't seen any concrete data the data sets out specifically on that i mean we obviously know that women ha- through the pandemic have tended to then work longer hours it's affected them more negatively in terms of financial position we know say for example on the female funding Piece, you know they actually when you look at VC funding into female founded businesses has decreased so the outcome of COVID and the pandemic has basically been harsher and, and worse off for women than than the men so it's actually making our challenge in terms of closing that investment gap the investing gap actually harder um, and again also the issue of time you know being able to educate yourself and and really think through the investment propositions that you really want to go you really want to support you know it does take a lot of time and I think you know the, the pandemic has probably fallen harder on women in terms of childcare, job security and so forth so it's actually you know when you look at where the progress we've made we've sort of taken a step back through the pandemic.
0: When I speak to women and my friends, generally, they have this understanding that they need to start investing or putting their money to um, work somewhere. Um, But the problem is the question that I get a lot, which I'm going to pass on to you is how do I begin? Like, how do I start that journey? I have a bit of savings, I don't know what to use. Um, Do I go to a financial advisor? Do I go to an app? Can you talk me through what how you would answer that?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I should caveat this with I am not a, a, a financial advisor. I am just, I'm a, a sort of expert in finance. And, you know, I do a lot of work with governments and regulators and on the sort of sustainable finance side. Um, so what I say is, is not is not professional advice for sure. And it's a lot of it is actually based on personal experience. So I think the way you start is, you know, particularly if you're interested in sustainability as well, you know, you have to figure out what you care about and what you prioritize. So thinking through, you know, are there certain funds that that you find particularly you want to support or invest in or or certain industries that you may want to back away from? Um, But it's really about setting your goals. And, you know, you obviously are going to have short, medium and long term goals. I do think it's worth speaking with a financial advisor or your bank as a first port of call. But to sort of navigate that, sometimes, you know, when, when I speak to many women talking about investing they say, Yeah, but it's very intimidating or, you know, I'm treated as though I don't know what I'm talking about. So go with sort of your list of questions. So what is it? What are the products, you know, where do you think I need to be in the next 10, 20, and 30 years? Um and then you've also got to figure out well, what are your boundaries? Because I mean the good thing with the apps and the ETFs is it makes it's making it easier for us to invest. Now Some women, and in fact, probably me included, I just don't have a huge amount of time to to sort of educate, keep educating myself and so forth. So so you've got to figure that out. You know, you don't want to go and say, right, I'm going to be a real active investor and I'm going to invest in companies directly, not use funds or whatever, without really understanding what does that mean in terms of time and education as well. Um, And then, you know, as I said before, it's also really worthwhile speaking to your friends and your family um, about what they do as well. Because I think a lot of people have sort of been you know long term investors and it's really about learning from uh, learning from what people are doing uh, I think the other thing is you know this everyone's obsessed with crypto and bitcoin and um again sort of not rushing into things I'm a little bit what do you say I'm a little bit more restrained but you know i do i do observe a lot of my male friends are sort of very excited about bitcoin and so forth but less less plans so yeah, <laughs> and
0: um uh, With people uh, you speak to, is there a lot of concern around greenwashing when they want to do more sustainable investments um, and not having the time to go through every holdings of an ETF, for example?
1: Yeah. And I, you know, when I in my institutional work as well, this comes up a lot now. So there is a major concern across the markets around greenwashing by asset managers and, and fund providers. Um, fortunately, there's a, there are efforts at the regulatory, happen, regulatory level happening, particularly in the EU, to really try and ensure that what's put out into the market, if it's labeled green or sustainable or diversity or anything, that it's actually doing what it says it's doing. Um, and I sometimes cite this example. Like, I used to live in Hong Kong uh, and I had a mandatory Hong Kong pension fund. Which the employer paid into. And I remember, and I've been in sustainable finance and ESG for for years. And then I sort of got the pension, I dutifully ticked the green fund box. But it wasn't about two years later that I went back to actually look what was in the in the fund allocation. And the biggest holding was in a large American investment bank. Because on the basis of the fact it's carbon footprint, because it's only really the office, travel, and paper usage. However, that investment bank was also the largest lender for coal development in southeast asia so do you see what i mean i i even as someone's who been in this industry had fallen into the trap of thinking oh yeah i'm investing in green companies but then i find out actually i'm investing in an investment in an investment bank that's funding coal development in asia and it's like you, you've got to be so savvy uh so i do encourage people to to really, if, if they are worried about this, look at what some of the NGOs are doing. So you've got something called BankTrack has done some fantastic work, uh, you know, really trying to increase the level of transparency and scrutiny over what's going into the market in terms of greenwashing, ensuring that, that, you know, retail investors like you and I are not duped into thinking we're investing sustainably or green. And actually, we are, our money is going where we want it to. Um, unfortunately, it's still a work in progress. I think we're getting there, but it's, you know, as it's such a buzz now, I think everyone's sort of jumping on the bandwagon and we need to be very, do our due diligence, I think, essentially.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. That was very interesting. Um, thanks again for taking the time. My pleasure. And thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Sign up to our newsletter on the website, www.thearmchairtrader.com.